You here with a mission, sir? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Monthly Comics Cast, brought to you by the New England Society of Geeks. And, of course, that means that I am Derek, and I have with me the comic, cosmic comic guru, Dario. Hey, everybody. It's been a while since I've said that. Yeah, I know. We missed a month. Yeah, we missed we missed the last month because somebody was busy. Yep, busy month. Lots of things <laughs> going on. But we're back, and we're ready for some comic fun. Nice yeah. shirt, by the way. Thank you. I'm wearing a uh, a Wookiee shirt, but he's walking through the woods like Bigfoot. It's adorable. Yeah, it's like a little cartoon guy. It's cool. yeah. It's um, I don't know who did. It's not a Scotty Young thing, but no, no, I don't know who did it. I got this on Facebook. I've been getting ads for different T-shirts. I bought a T-shirt from a place called T Villain, and I got mm-hmm. a uh, um Wild Stallions tour shirt. Oh, cool! It's really, really cool. That's it's got, awesome. It's on the back of it, it has it has all the people that were that that performed, like Abe Lincoln and Napoleon <laughs> and all that stuff, and That's uh, awesome. and, all, and all the dates where they picked up everybody, and then the final date at 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 their high school. Oh, that's awesome! And so it looks like a legit tour shirt. <laughs> and then because I bought that t shirt on Facebook, it's like, hey, he likes t shirts. Mm. And this came up, and it was it was they were half off. So oh, I cool. got I got this and a different Star Wars one, and the, nice. and the other Star Wars one is the Rebels logo or the Rebel logo with the uh, um, the sh- a couple of ships flying up. I think it's the Ghost, the Millennium Falcon, and I think oh, maybe, I've seen that I one, think yeah. maybe an A wing. Mm. So I was like, yeah, fifty percent off. Yeah, Those two shirts. I'll buy these. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wearing my Tie Fighter Special Forces. Yep, yep. So we're all Star, we're all Star, Star Wars, Wars represent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we gotta be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll talk more Star Wars later. Yep. But first. It's time for our comic reviews. Now, before we start, I sh- we should we should have been doing this from the beginning, but we never did. But tell people how our rating goes. Well, that too. But <laughs> first, uh, we'll give a little spoiler warning. Uh, we'll probably spoil some stuff in this rev- in the reviews of this comic. So. Yeah, usually we go into it pretty deep. So yeah, so just a warning, and then oh, I wanted to read that. Well, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course. Um, we do our special kind of rating system on this show where we rate things, um, in infinity stones. Yeah. We used to use dolphins, not anymore. <laughs> now we're dolphins, <laughs> dolphin free. Yeah. No, 100% dolphin free rating. <laughs> um, so of course, you know, we do one through six, uh, stones. And if it's really good, it gets a full gauntlet. Yeah. And now I'm jealous because I Missed that and the first comic on my stack. Derek really yes, wants to read it. I really I'll want tell to. You, when we're done, you can just have it. Just have it. <laughs> you can just have it. It'll be your comic. Oh boy, now, yeah. now I'm worried. <laughs> okay, so what do you got for us? All right, so the first, I, I, I'm not going to stray too far outside the Marvel DC realm this time. Um, I wanted to. I have a bunch of independent stuff at home that I haven't read yet. I don't think I did either. First one on my list. Came out this week, and this week being the week of the 20th, I think, is was release day. Yes. The 21st mm-hmm. of November. 
and it is He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Mm. And it is by Tim Seeley. Let's see. See, probably the writer. Um, the credits page. But I never make it easy to find the credits page. We talk about this all the time. All right. Tim Seeley is the writer. Penciler is Dan Fragra. <laughs> F-R-A-G-A. And then Richard Friend does the inks. And the colors is Matt Yackley. Y-A-C-K-E-Y. So if I got any of those names pronounced wrong, I apologize at a time. So it's from DC Comics. You got them all wrong. It's yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's issue possible. it's issue one of six, so it's a it's a mini series. Mm. And it starts out with Skeletor attacking Castle Grayskull, giving his own a speech, and Prince Adam and the sorceress that kind of look like how they did in the cartoon are kind of looking out the window trying to figure out how to stop Skeletor from breaking in. And it seems like there's a really good chance that he's gonna break in because he's threatening um He's threatening. I don't know if he's, Prince. He knows Prince Adam is in there. He says, "I'm going to go kill the uh, the king." I have people ready to kill the king and his and his and his family unless you open Castle Grayskull. So either open Castle Grayskull ah. or they're going to die. So right. he's trying to figure out what to do. He becomes he man because he knows he has to, you know, be the hero. And he goes out to fight Skeletor. By the time he gets out there, he finds out that Skeletor has been killed <laughs> and has his has had his own his own staff like shoved through his chest. Oh, and he. Finds out oh, that, the the one with the skull on yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. And he finds out that he was killed by uh anti He Man. It's it's uh <laughs> it's He Man with the with the like the negative if you've ever seen Negative Man from Spider Man yeah, or like yeah. that, it's mm-hmm. it's that E Man. <laughs> so they're they they you know they confront each other and he's like, Oh my god, what happened? Blah blah blah. And anti He Man and He Man fight, and next thing you know it, he's dead. The sorceress uh, loses all her power ages and dies oh wow and anti-he-man has this he-man's power sword so he's got two power swords he's got his negative power sword and he's got this power positive power sword and then then we skip to a different universe where Ah. keldor which is i think the name for skeletor before he became skeletor Mm -hmm. is prince of eternia Ah. and with his loyal companions beast man and lynn She's an evil. Right. Her yeah. Just Lynn. Because <laughs> if I were, if I ever became evil, you'd have to call me Evil Dario. Okay. Right. That'd be my name. Sure. So just come it right all, out in a minute. Evil it Dario. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, and in his in his faithful, uh, you know, Mount Panthor. Ah, he doesn't really change. Although name. I'm surprised they didn't call it Good Lynn. Yeah, right? <laughs> I guess it was just a little too silly. Or not so evil, Lynn. So they're kind of like just playing pranks and kind of like going around, and Lynn's trying to convince Keldor, Prince Keldor, that he has to study more in his magic instead of, he just knows just enough magic to do pranks, like create spray cans and, and do graffiti. So he's Orko? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and then and then uh, the bird Screech, I don't know what Screech is. Is he evil? Looks like he might be the, the, the bird that was on top of Castle Grayskull. Not totally sure. Yeah, I don't know a bunch of um, Masters Universe mythos, even though I have the encyclopedia. It's a big book. You do? Uh, I do about the encyclopedia. I'll bring it over next time. I'll show it to you. <laughs> I legit. I first when I bought it, I thought it was an art book. Um, oh yeah. I had a special ordered it, thinking it was going to be go and have all like the original painted art and stuff like that. And it was just an encyclopedia. It's really detailed. It's got everything in it. So I was like, eh, I'm not going to return it. Wow. Because it's kind of neat. So anyway, Kelder goes and uh, does his you know job and kind of hangs out at the castle. They encounter other negative versions of the, of the good guys, and the long and short of it is, 
um, we find out that the there's there's danger in the multiverse, and what happens is Keldor is is visited by the cartoon He Man. When I say the cartoon He-Man, I don't mean the filmation He-Man. There must have been a rights issue because I've never seen a He-Man that looked as as silly as this. He's no, just yeah. He looks like a Looney Tunes kind of a yeah. kind of a He-Man, kind of a He-Man. He's got tiny little legs, a big upper body, and apparently when he changes his attitude, his costume changes. Like he goes from looking like He-Man to He-Man and a and an Easter Bunny. He mentions all the Easter eggs, and he becomes a he, <laughs> he wears an Easter Bunny costume. Uh, so while Kelder is trying to figure out what the hell's going on, another person steps into the room and says, let me explain. And it's Dolph Lundgren's He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the cosmic key. Oh, yes. And he uses, that, he uses the cosmic key to explain the multiverse to Keldor and what's going on. Basically, the negative universe He-Man uh, decided that he was going to go and capture all the power swords. And every power sword he captures makes him more strong, more stronger. Sure. So he's going around killing all the He-Men and he needs help. And they decided that since every single universe, they, they tell us to Keldor. They go, in every universe, He-Man always wins. Skeletor always loses. Uh. And you're always the villain. This is the only universe where you're not the villain. Uh-huh. And this negative He-Man, which is from his universe, is is the villain so they're like so it makes sense that if we take you you're going to be the only one who can defeat this guy so that's why they want to get him right and uh and he gets explained that not just by Dolph Lundgren but also by uh Gwildor yes Uh (laughs) the other guy the other guy from the movie yeah so I mean when I was reading his dialogue I was just imagining his voice because it's so distinctive (laughs) yeah and then they go on their mission to defeat this negative He-Man, and then they end up getting dropped in a different universe. And tell me if you recognize that. It's some weird kind of a super sci-fi version of of Eternia. Um, it's the, what is it, uh, Stratos' people? It's Stratos' people, but they're, oh. it looks like a really bad, like, 95 toy line. Yeah. Like a 1995 toy line. <laughs> it almost seems vaguely familiar. Oh, you can have that book. Oh, <laughs> You don't have to give it back to me. <laughs> Enjoy it. You basically got the whole gist of it right there. Yeah. <laughs> but read it. If you don't want it, throw it away. Good cover. I'm never going to read that book again. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, what do I read it? I read it a one. Wow. <laughs> give this book a one gem. Wow. Yep. And that one is for the art. <laughs> if it if the art wasn't good, I would have given it a zero. I would have said, this is a gloveless hand. <laughs> All right. Now, are you generally much of a He-Man fan, or um, I grew up watching all the not all the filmation stuff, but I grew up watching the filmation stuff. I do like them. Um, I actually started collecting the toys before there was a cartoon. Mm. Um, when they first came out, I was like, "Ah, these are really giantly over-muscled toys, oh, and, yeah. they're, and they're not super poseable." But I really like Skeletor's figure, so I got him. Right, and I got Beast Man. Which meant that I had to get Panthor and E Man for someone for someone for him to fight. So I always I bought this for Skeletor. <laughs> I bought the set for Skeletor. Uh, so I had a handful of them. Um, and then when DC Comics Presents came out, where they, they he was in a comic and it crossed over with Superman, I dug that. Yeah, I like that story. Mm-hmm. And then there were a couple other appearances that he had in comics. 
and that was in the eighties, and I, I like that too. And, it, and then the the cartoon came out, and I watch the cartoon all the time. So in general, I right. think I'm a I'm a pretty standard standard uh, Master Universe fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy for it, but I just and I like the movie. I like the Dolph Lundgren movie. It has a place in my heart. And the reason why I bought that is because I saw Dolph Lundgren, you know, and Gwydlor in this or Gildor in this. I was like, hey, the Crossing Key. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, but no. Pretty trashy. Actually, I think if that little cartoon character wasn't in it, I'd like it a little bit more because mm. it's so badly drawn. I mean, it's meant to be badly drawn, but right, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's not like it's not like the Spider Verse with Spider Ham, right? You know, they're doing their thing. Did you read Spider Verse? That whole thing? I read the first one, yeah, but I didn't read the second one. I mean, when they went to like the like the cartoon worlds, they they tried to make it look so it looked like a cartoon. So when they were interacting with the Spider Man and Amazing Friends people, it looked like Spider Man and Amazing Friends, right? So I like that a lot. But this, I don't know, it could get better. Yeah, we'll see. Congratulations, we'll see. you have a free comic. Yeah, thanks. We'll see what I think of that one and if I can decide <laughs> to continue or not. Okay. So that being said, we're going to move on to the next one. My next comic is kind of a two-parter. Now, this one I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure on whether or not I wanted to read it, so. You're interested to hear about it? Yes. Good. So there's a, as of this week, two new events started in Marvel. One of them is Annihilation. I'm not reviewing that. Oh, right. um, that's another one I was. Iffy I'll kind of read that, but I have not read it yet. So I don't know. Maybe next time I'll review that. And the other one was 2099. So Marvel. I read about this a while back. Marvel decided to revisit the 2099 universe. They keep trying to bring back Spider-Man 2099 and, and like have him appear in Amazing Spider-Man every once in a while. There right. was a short period of time when he was stuck in the past mm-hmm. for maybe I don't know half a year. So yeah. he would make appearances in Amazing Spider-Man. Right. I remember that, yeah. Then they sent them back to the future, and then they took a break, and now they're doing this event. So it kicks off, as as often they do nowadays, with like an Alpha and Omega. So mm-hmm. the, this is 2099 Alpha. It's a one-shot. Then there's going to be a series of one-shots in between, and then it's going to end in 2099 Omega. Right. Um, I think there might be a checklist in here somewhere. but are, Now, I forget. Are these... Yeah, there was a checklist. One shots? They're all oh, one shots. They're all one shots, okay. But it is going into Amazing Spider-Man, which I didn't realize and I also did not read. Right. So it starts in Amazing Spider-Man 33 and 34. I didn't which read those. I haven't read yet. But. Then it goes into 2099 Alpha. After twenty after that issue, it goes into Fantastic Four 2099, which is the next book on my list, and I'll review that in a minute. And then it's going to go into Conan 2099, which I'm... Really desperate to read that. Yeah, I was that. That's what was kind of making me lean towards yeah. getting it. But Punisher twenty ninety nine. Then it's gonna go back to Amazing Spider Man, and then it's gonna do Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine, Venom twenty ninety nine, Doom twenty ninety nine. Which is why I want to read Doom. Mm. Actually, I want to read all of them. Let's be honest. <laughs> Spider Man twenty ninety nine, twenty ninety nine Omega, and then the last part is an Amazing Spider Man thirty six. I'm a little disappointed though. There's no Ravage 2099. Right. <laughs> I agree. A little disappointed about that. Uh, but they make a message, they, they make a, a mention of them. There's a, the very first page, they reference a place called The Ravage. Okay. Well, so I was like, hey, The Ravage, it's a place. <laughs> at least um, he exists. <laughs> I don't know if he exists. So this, this is a different take on the 2099 that some of you may know of that happened in. 93, 94, they mentioned when the original one came out. Right. But the writer is Nick Spencer. The artist is Victor 
Bogdanovic. Mm. The colorist is Marty Garcia, and the letter is VC VC's Joe Caramanga. Caramanga, who often letters everything nowadays. Yes. Um, I'll look in the back here real quick. Say they mentioned when the original twenty nine twenty ninety nine came out ninety two nineteen ninety two. So that's year I graduated. Was it? So this this book starts out with it. It's since it's an uh, an alpha, you would expect it to kind of just touch on and introduce many of the characters that we're going to see in the one shots, and that's sure. exactly what it does. Mm-hmm. So there's a kid running through the ravage, which is probably the only reference we're ever going to have to ravage, and he hears voices as he's running through the ravage, and he comes across a, a, a hammer, and the hammer just keeps saying "worthy, worthy" to him, "worthy," and he goes to pick it up uh, as he puts his hand on it. He hears something, and then one of the eyes in the back of his head op- in the back in the back of his head opens up, and that's when we discover he's a mutant. Aha! Sees something, and he turns around, and there's a bunch of uh, creatures stalking him, and he runs off. He like leaves the hammer behind and runs away, and then that's the last we see that. But we cut into another image of a hammer, and it's in Brooklyn, and you can tell this isn't the same hammer because a, a car speeds by, a hover car speeds by, and the hammer gets gets kicked up in the wake. And it falls on its side. So obviously it's not Thor's hammer. Right. This is also uh, Brooklyn on the ground. This is like old Brooklyn, uh, burnt out buildings, uh, kind of what you would see in all your other future kind of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 real city, the new city is all high tech floating towers and all that stuff. So there's right. the above. This is kind of like it was in the original 29 also. There was, uh, there was the above New York, the nice New York, and then the below New York where everything was kind of all the original stuff, but aged. So we find uh, the police force, um, which I don't remember what they're called, uh, but they when they swear, they say shock. <laughs> kind of like Judge Dredd says grok right, and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, and they're fighting Thorites. So there's a bunch of barbarians that emulate Thor. Ah. I don't know if they're gonna if there's going to be a Conan influence in there too, but these particular people look like they emulate Thor. And uh, so they're in a big battle, and we see this one, this one... Police officer, you know, shoot down um, a thorite, and then they find they're they're after like one of the upper crust people that came down here. He's a doctor that someone told the doctor there are people sick down here. You can cure it with just a shot, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go do some good." And he goes down there with because obviously everybody in above New York has has all the new stuff, and everybody right. down here is with nothing. So he goes down to try and help, and the thorites kill him. Um, and they hang up his body. So uh, that's kind of just to introduce us to the police force and the Thorites, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it turns out, I think one of the Punishers is going to be one of these police force guys. Ah. Uh, we open into the big 2099 logo, and then there's Nuva York, uh, as you can see. Mm-hmm. Lots of floating buildings. Ah, yes. It's all pretty. And- now, the the color the color done in this book is very dark. Like, this overall, overall like... Yeah. like palette that they're using it covers the entire thing mm. so for those of you who can't see because we're not on tv just imagine yeah like a like a city that's always covered in smog kind of right it's just like yeah a dark a darkness hang in the air right but there's also a lot of light like on the horizon so um maybe like a film noir kind of a look yeah so we open up into a above ground, and we see Alchemex, which is closely associated with Spider-Man 2099. Mm-hmm. It's always kind of been there. Um, Miguel, who is the Spider-Man 2099, is working with somebody about um, 
about how to uh, use Spider-Man's DNA to, you know, help people. Like, they don't come right out and say it's Spider-Man's DNA, but they talk about how, oh, if we do this, then people will have increased strength or they'll have uh, heightened agility. And then, uh, like, if, right. we do, if we do this, they'll have they'll have this ability to sense danger before it happens. <laughs> right? Right. So they're looking this over, and then somehow or another, they kind of cut to another scene where you find out that they used it on something called the Spider-Man, and it looks like it's like a half-spider creature. Huh. Right? And then they, they, we cut away from that, and I don't really know what's going to happen at that point. Because right. this, like I said, this book is about teasing you for to get you to buy the one shots and introducing everything. Right. So, and then the next two pages is about is about Conan. Basically, it just is Conan fighting a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we cut to Doom. And we find out that Doom this entire time has had the Watcher prisoner oh, and, wow. is, and is forcing him to tell him his secrets. Huh. Um, and then it teases us more with. Um, the fact that, oh, this is where we find out that Dr. Doom is responsible. This is the Dr. Doom. This is Victor Von Doom. Oh. We find out that he found a way to make everybody forget the heroes. So he got rid of the heroes, made them forget mm-hmm. all the heroes, and in his mind, it made the world a better place because there wasn't a chaos of the heroes and villains fighting all the time. Right. But the Watcher tells him that you can't keep, hero- you can't, you can't keep the age of heroes down and that they're going to start coming back. So the Watcher has to tell Doom every once in a while when, when something like that happens again. So the overall like narration of the book is the Watcher saying, and then, you know, in here there's a police officer that potentially could, you know, be somebody you want to look at, you know, but the dialogue's better than that. So he's kind of, he's kind of overdoing, you know, kind of over narrating all this stuff. Mm. And then we get a bit on, on Ghost Rider 2099 and we find out that there's a, a never ending road. That if you can get on the road and stay on the road without stopping, the police can't do anything to you. It's mm. it's it's its own thing. Like no laws apply to it. Weird. It's kind of like the autobahn. Uh. You know how the autobahn you can go as fast as you want. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine if you were on the autobahn and the police just couldn't go after you anymore or any of huh. that stuff. That's weird. So they do a little storyline with that, and this guy is trying to get away from the cops, and he makes it onto a road that never ends, and uh, his car gets is damaged a little bit, and this kid pulls up to him on his motorcycle. He's like, hey, it looks like your car's hurt. If you have a way to fix it, I have a mechanic. And the mechanic just pulls up right next to him and leans out the window and says, I can fix your car. So they do the whole thing while moving. And it turns out they just end up robbing him. Ah, yes. Um, then after that, we get a two-page bit about Herbie the robot ah. trying to trying to, <laughs> to find his mother. <laughs> okay. Which is going to lead into Fantastic Four 2099. Ah, yeah. And then it ends with uh, the Watcher warning Doctor Doom that he can't stop the heroes from coming back. And then the very last page is, in case you missed the cameos, the very last page is them showing all the characters that were in it. It was right. Conan, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man. So those are all the characters that they they highlight in this. So this is as an alpha issue, as a teaser issue, it's a good book. But I can't rate it any more than a three. Mm. I mean, it's it's just what it is. It's right. not like it's not like it's just meant to tease you to buy the other stuff. Yeah, but the art's really good, and it kind of made me excited for the what 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 was going to happen overall. So I'm done with that. I'm gonna throw that aside. <laughs> <laughs> now, Fantastic Four twenty nine nine. After reading twenty nine nine Alpha, I was like, I don't know if I want to read this. Oh, really? So I started reading it, <laughs> and it was written by Carla. Pancetto, 
Artist is Stephen Cummings. Colors by Chris Sotomayor. And then VCs Travis Lanham is the letter. Sure. Yeah. And the cover is uh, Tony Inv- uh, Infanti? Infante. 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 Uh, and it's an alternate cover. It's like the classic FF. But ah, the yes. classic FF isn't in this. So this picks up pretty much where Alpha left off. It is Herbie the Robot trying to uh, trying to find his friends. So he keeps saying he, he recruited the help with this with this kind of a Western style bounty hunter. Huh. And uh, it's, she's like somehow she took a liking to this cute little robot named Herbie. And you could as you're reading his dialogue, you can tell that there's something wrong with Herbie. He's not quite right. Like he has damage and he's trying to fix himself. It looks awful wordy. Yeah, it is very wordy. This is a very wordy comic. Mm. So um, there's going to be a big spoiler in this issue. So I just want to let you know now. Okay. Um, Again, spoiler alert. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so Herbie gets gets uh, his friend to go and try and find four very important people. Uh, his mother always said that he needed the, the, that the, the the family of four needed to be brought back together, and that they're going to make a big big difference in the world. So he gives her information on. Uh, where to find these people. And she goes, and the first person she visits is um, a high-rise in Nuva York, and she visits an intelligent AI. So it's a hologram of an AI. And in the future, AIs, if they want to have a family with a human, they can. If they want to have children with a human, they can. Okay. Now, the way an AI, especially a hologram, has uh, has children with a human is they have input in the genetic manipulation that is used before they impregnate the woman. Okay. Yeah. And uh, basically they'll imprint the, whatever traits like that the, the AI hologram has uh, into that. And then, of course, they'll, they'll be part of raising the baby and all that stuff. Hmm. So it's two women. It's a hologram, a female hologram and a female woman that, uh, that, that get married and they have a kid. And... The person that they're looking for is their daughter. Their daughter's like 15, 14, 15 years old, and she ran away from home. Mm. Um, we find out that, that she's being held captive uh, by the Thorates uh, because uh, she, when she, she ran away because uh, her body started changing. Um, she must be a mutant or something. But she started becoming like oh, okay. She started becoming crystalline. So she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna fulfill the the thing role basically. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So she gets saved by a boy who is um, uh, like a street urchin who has the ability to turn invisible. So he's fulfilling the role of the invisible, invisible boy. Woman. Right. Right. Uh, so the bounty hunter contacts Herbie and says, Herbie, I found the girl. I know who she is. She's basically uh, she's basically down in uh, New York. Uh, does he find her that way? No, he doesn't find her. Let's see. What does it say? It says, um, oh, that she's looking. She hasn't found the girl yet, but she's got some leads. And Herbie's celebrating because he found he found two more people. He's like, "Oh, well, you keep looking, but in the meantime, I found two other people." <laughs> you see how happy he is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he sends him off. He sends her off to the the uh, Traverse City, which is the road that never ends. And so she goes on that road, and she finds a super smart girl who is uh, driving a car, and she's got a whole lab in the car. Mm. And so since she's super smart and has a lab. And she's got the ability to stretch. Uh-huh. She's fulfilling the role of Mr. Fantastic. And the right. way she the way she stretches is that she uses some sort of power that she has to manipulate the the metal that she has on her. So it's the metal that's stretching and doing stuff. It's not her body. Hmm. 
So she's super eager to help out. She wants to, she wants to, she wants to know what's going on. And she kind of gives you her origin. She's like, Oh, I was really sick. And then I got better. And I don't know why I got better, but then after I got better, I had these powers. Okay. <laughs> now we're going to find out that that's kind of consistent with the rest of these people. That uh. something happened to them. And then all of a sudden they were better and they got these powers. Uh. So the next person they find is a female mechanic who has got the ability to shoot fire or some sort of plasma from her body. Now here it looks like she's using a flamethrower, but then they, as they're talking, the, the, the bounty hunter girl's like, hey, I noticed that you didn't have a power source. And she's like, yeah, it's because she focuses her ability through this thing. Turns out that this woman here that generates the fire is the mother of the girl that turned into a crystalline entity, the one that's oh, being held captive. Okay. So now we have four people. We have the woman who represents the Human Torch, Mm-hmm. The woman that represents Mr. Fantastic, right. the woman that represents the thing, and then the boy that represents the invisible boy, the right. invisible woman. So they all get together and they're all like, okay, so we need to do something good. Uh, she finds out that, you know, it's her daughter that's being captive. So she's all on board with going to to be part of this. So they go and they fight the Thorites and they win. And all this time, Herbie's, Herbie's watching a recording of uh, Valeria, which is... Uh, the daughter, the daughter of, of Reed Richards and Susan Storm, right? And he's kind of listening to her last recorded message, which is totally like broken up. So you're only getting half the sentences and stuff like right, that. Yeah. And Herbie's upset because he because he because he's having a problem. He kind of starts hitting his own head. <clears throat> I should do. So the the four people show up. Uh, they go and they save they save the girl. The girl uh, that's going to be the, 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 the stand-in for the thing that's turning into a crystal entity, she kind of hits it off with the invisible boy right away. And they're, and they're like, she's like, don't look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm hideous. And then the boy's like, I think you're beautiful. Aww, and then she's like, and then nice. she's like, oh. And then they're fighting. And he's like, he's like, well, wait. He goes, you haven't seen my power yet. And he turns, he turns invisible. And he goes, I'm hideous. I'm hideous. <laughs> she goes, no, I think you're beautiful. So it's a very touching moment. Oh, that's then, nice. And then they defeat the bad guys. And then they go and they they go to Herbie's headquarters and they're like in Herbie and and Herbie's like you're all very special you're all gonna do something very important in life and and uh, I think it was the the bounty hunter girl goes you know what we should team up we should we should represent positive values and and the four of us can be a team and they start to do the four the four hands in the middle bit <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden. Like the crystalline of the girl starts breaking down, and everything everything wrong starts happening with them, and they all start like getting hurt. Um, the the woman that creates fire and her daughter that is made out of crystals just explode, <laughs> and and the girl that can stretch she loses control over her body and it, it starts twisting like her body into into pieces. <laughs> and Herbie's like, no, 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 no. He goes, it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> So the only two survivors are the invisible boy and the and the and the bounty hunter later and they're like what's going on? And Herbie explains to them that he's been going around the city like finding people that that look like they could ex- they could they could adapt to cosmic radiation poisoning or whatever and he's been uh, like blasting them with cosmic radiation oh, and then once they're getting their powers he's tricking people and getting them together so they can become the new fantastic four wow and if it doesn't work he kills them uh. <laughs> so wow. it, it didn't work so they, like you see on the display screen all the things that herbie did 
And then all of a sudden he just opens up and unleashes like a, like a bazillion missiles on him. He kills everybody in the room. Okay, well. That <laughs> and was... he's like, he's like, well, back to the drawing board. <laughs> okay, I was not expecting that. So this went from a pretty silly comic <laughs> to that surprise ending. And I was like, holy crap. So for surprise value alone, <laughs> I'm giving this comic a five. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have not read a comic in a long time that has surprised me. <laughs> and that surprised me. I mean, as I was, as you're reading it, you're like, wow, Herbie's, Herbie's got a problem. Yeah. yeah. Because it's the one, he's just like, no, no, no. He's like hitting himself in the head. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's a big problem. Yeah. That's a big thing. <laughs> so. That's that's Fantastic Four twenty nine nine. I have no idea what the rest of them will be like. I mean, they're gonna be their own thing. They're their own thing, man. And uh so it could be good, it could be bad. But I'll try it. Could be a mix. Yeah, it's gonna be a mix. So the next thing on my list is I just read this this morning. It's from Vault Comics. Is mm. it from Vault Comics or is it from Nightfall? Alright, I need to look for a minute. Who the publisher is. Um we'll say it's Vault. Until I find out differently. But it's called the plot. 1974 of the past we grieve it's written by tim daniel and michael morachi and it's drawn by joshua joshua hickson colored by jordan boyd and lettered by jim campbell so one of my customers came to the store today and told me this was pretty good so I, he said he should read it so i bought it and read it 1974 the year i was born uh, but this isn't from 1974 i don't think it's written too much like it's yeah, probably not current, but um, it's basically a horror book. Um, hmm. It opens up in a, in Cape Augusta, Maine, uh, with a guy in a going to an old mansion, and it's abandoned, and he's drinking and sleeping there with a with a with a, uh, a sleeping bag. And then in California, there's an old, another another man accepting an award, and he's talking about how his family has always been rich. His father was mentally ill. And it runs in the family, and that his family had a had a motto uh, that it was you must uh, in in order to receive you must give, which is a family motto. Okay, and they're very rich, and they give, and they're very generous. Hmm. But you would assume that they're rich because they're generous. Um, the 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 man in California who's getting the award that we later find out is uh, is the older brother of the guy in Augusta, Maine. Um, is is getting a little depressed during the during the the award ceremony and him him and his wife leave and then we find out that uh Charles who is the person who's getting the award in California is calling his brother in the house and his brother doesn't want to talk to him in fact he just rips the phone off the wall and throws it on the ground his wife is like what happened he's and he, she's like you tried to call your brother and he's like yeah and she's like did he pick up he goes no and so they're like let's go home and when they go home there's a beautiful house it's on the ocean and there's this kind of fog that's kind of like coming in and they're just talking about, you know, how they can improve things. And they're complaining a little bit because it looked like their daughter attracted mud in the house <laughs> and they're, they're just trying to support each other. And then all of a sudden this swamp creature that's been in the house sneaks up on them and just straight up kills the wife, like kills the wife, throws her out the, throws her out the window. till she falls on the beach and dies. And then the swamp creature attacks the man Whispers something in him. It looks like he, I don't know if he kisses him. That that was my first reaction. Yeah, it looks like he kisses him. I don't know if he's talking to him or kissing him. It's hard to tell. Um, and then throws him out the window, <laughs> and then he dies. And then 
the the swamp creature jumps down <clears throat> and it's not like a big hulking swamp thing kind of a thing it's kind of a long gangly mm-hmm. swamp thing kind of a thing and then it whispers in his ear first you must give and then of course he's dead and then we cut to his brother who is working demolition in Maine <clears throat> he gets a memo that his brother has been killed and he freaks out and starts beating the crap out of the building that he's been trying to demo and then we find out that his niece and nephew uh, have been left in his care so he is giving ceremony on the beach in Maine. His niece and nephew were there. Uh, they're the his nephew's very young. His niece is probably in her teens, and they have a dog, and they're just trying to, to to cope with what's going on and trying to deal with the fact that they're staying with their uncle, who they barely know. And so he's talking to them, and he's like, "Well, let me take you to their family house. We've our family has lived here for hundreds of years, and although we haven't lived in this house for that, you know, for a long time." Right. He goes, it's something. It's the only thing I've got. He goes, you can't. You're not going to stay in my apartment. So he decides to go and move into the family house. So it's that same mansion that we see at the opening of the book. And there's more going on where we kind of find out, you know, that uh, the younger brother has problems with the city city um, sheriff, and he tells the kids to kind of go off and play. And we see weird things in the house, like the the niece goes in the house and all the paintings are upside down, where a lot of the paintings are upside down. And then all of a sudden, this greenery kind of breaks through the floor and wraps around her leg and pulls her down. And then we see, we hear whispering. And behind her, this tree just grows out of the ground. And it's got this woman hanging upside down on it, which is just bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so, but the niece hasn't, hasn't noticed it yet. And then her brother's off in the swamp chasing frogs. And his pet dog starts freaking out just in time to see. Uh, the boy get pulled on the water, and one of the last pages is an underwater scene, which I think is really creepy. Uh, but the kid gets pulled under, and we see that the one of the swamp the swamp creature is reaching up to grab him, and that's kind of how this issue ends. Huh. So obviously, this is a horror book. I think the art's really well really well done. Um, I don't know if I really understand the plot, even though the book is called the plot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the cover of the book is designed, uh, to emulate EC horror comics. Right. Yeah. Right. It's got just that whole general setup. Um, I don't know what the, how to, how to rate this book. I mean, it's, it's, it's the beginning of an overall storyline. It's really kind of slow and it's mysterious. So I would have to say, I would probably give this a, I think three is an average, an average, an average rating that we're giving stuff, right? Yeah. So I think I think this is something that's going to have to be read in one sitting as a whole. Mm. I don't know if is as episodic like this. Some books episodically are really good, right? Like I don't know if this was. Mm. So I'm going to give it a three. Is that something you're going to keep with, or um, I'm going to check out the next issue without paying for it because I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the benefits of working at a comic book store. <laughs> uh, if I feel like it's good, I'll buy it. But I'm not a big fan. Well, I, let me just say, uh, I've read worse, so I don't want to make it sound like I don't like it. I just, right. It's not knocking it out of the park for me. Right. Maybe for horror stuff. Um, but that being said, the next book in my stack is another horror book. Ah, yes. Another one I'm curious about. It's from DC's Black Label, which is actually a new edition. I didn't remember this. I don't remember reading that this was going to be in the Black Label series. Oh, it is? Yeah, it says right there. Oh. It's uh, Joe Hill Presents Hill House Comics. Right. So Joe Hill, for those of you who don't know, is the son of Stephen King. Right. And has written things like Lock and Key, mm-hmm. 
along with a few other things. Uh, the TV show Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going down the same path of his dad, writing horror, horror books. And he's now curating a, a, a series of books for DC that they're calling Hill House Comics. This first one, Basket Full of Heads, is written by him. <clears throat> as far as I know, they're all meant to be miniseries. It costs three ninety nine, and issue one is written by Joe Hill, illustrated by Leo Max. That's it, Leo Max. Okay. Colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Devin Bennett, edited by Mark Doyle, and Amadeo Territoro, and also Basketful of Heads was created by Joe Hill. Um, the art in this book is pretty darn amazing. Um, there's nothing, nothing like really spectacular about it as far as it being like a superhero book, but I think for just people like walking and talking and that kind of stuff, I liked it a lot. I also kind of like their panel layout. Um, it starts in 1983 in, in Brody, Maine, and much like his father, he's going to uh, have a lot of connecting elements to his father's stuff. Um, like in, they mentioned Shawshank Prison and a couple other things in here. Wow. Huh. But this happens in 83. There's a boy that is a, uh, a summertime deputy that works for the sheriff who is uh, meeting his girlfriend on a bridge. You know, they're having this whole big dialogue about what they're going to do after summer. Uh, summer's over uh, in this vacation town, and they're getting ready to go back to school, and they get in their car, and they're driving off, and they're talking about buying a car together, et cetera, et cetera. And there's news on the radio that there was a, uh, there was a breakout. Um, but the first, the first four pages basically is kind of setting the tone for the town. If you lived in a vacation town, if you lived in Maine, like. I lived in Wells, Maine for like a year before I moved to Portland, Maine. Hmm. And that is a town that is super, super busy during the summer. And then right after the summer holidays are over, there's nobody that lives there except for the the like the, 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 the residents. Right. And it's quiet. Mm. And then I can, it's very easy to see how Stephen King is like, things get weird when no <laughs> one's around. <laughs> so, um, he talks about some of the things that he saw when he was a sheriff, when when he was a deputy. The worst thing he saw was a, a girl who had thrown herself off of that same bridge that he picked up his girlfriend at, and he talks about how kind of it affected him. He wants to be a police officer and he wants to help people. And the sheriff told him, he said, "Well, you you know, you gotta remember that you're there for people when they, when they need you. And even though you found this woman after she died, you found her, so." She she needed you, but she but you also her family needed you. So the body was found. He tried to give a positive spin on it. He's like, you found a woman who had passed away or committed suicide. He goes, but at least her family knows now and all that stuff. So it's not right. like a missing okay. person case. Yeah. So overall, as as they're talking, you realize that the sheriff is a pretty good fella. That the deputy is a good guy. That his girlfriend seems to be like she's a good person. Um, but then you find out more. You find that you, you meet the mayor. You meet the mayor's daughters. You find out that there was a, a a prisoner escape, and three guys or four guys get away. Um, the mayor's like, "You got to catch these guys; they're bad guys." And the sheriff's like, "I know three of them." <laughs> he goes, "And they're not bad guys. One's just was uh, was drinking and driving, and the other one was, you know, doing this." And he makes it sound like they're not that bad, right? Uh, but as happens in any Stephen King or or Joe Hill book, things take a dark twist. Of course, um, he. You know, tells his deputy to go to his home because apparently he's also renting property on his land and to go take care of his wife and kind of make sure everything's settled down. And just to cut to it, we find out the reason why it's called Basketful of Heads is um, at some point it's going to lead to 
somebody, one of these people, one of these characters, we don't know which, is going to start wielding this ancient Nordic axe. <laughs> and so we find out that the sheriff is of Nordic heritage, and he has all these all these artifacts collected, and they're walking around his house, and they see this axe, and as they walk away, the axe reacts and starts to glow. Nobody notices it, but the axe starts to glow. Huh. And then, um, then we find out that like the dark turn I mentioned was that the people that, that escaped killed a guy, although not on purpose. They were just trying to steal a boat, and the mm-hmm. guy who owned the boat was running down after him, and he fell, and and he fell down a long length of steps, and so he died because of that. Ah. So uh, the sheriff asked his wife to go console the wife of the woman who woman who, whose uh, husband just died, and it's where we have the, the deputy and his girlfriend that I mentioned earlier at the house. And the son of the sheriff is not there. So the mother and the son are gone. And then we find out that the escapees have broken into the sheriff's house for whatever reason. Looks like just two of them. There could be more of them. But obviously it's going to probably end up with some kind of violence. And then the write-up at the end is about Joe Hill talking about how his dad bought him DC Ghost Comics as a kid. And they kind of turned him on to writing comics. And then there's a three, four-page backup story that's going to continue through all their books. So... Um, I like this book an awful lot, mostly because I like the I like the art a lot. Um, I mean, it reads just like a Stephen King book. I, I hate comparing Joe Hill to his dad, yeah. So I'm gonna try and stop that, yeah. Uh, but it reads it reads it re- it's very similar in tone, and uh, you know, I like his dad's work. I never read Lock and Key. Have you read Lock and Key? No, I haven't. Yeah, either. so I should try and read that. <coughs> um, I want to give this like a four, but I think I'm giving it a four just because just because of of my love for for again i again i just love stephen king's writing and this reads so much like it's setting up like that so it probably deserves a three because it really is just kind of average right now it's building up and this is gonna be another one that's because it's episodic it's gonna be it's probably gonna read much better if you just sit down and read the whole thing together right um i would not turn people away from this i have actually kind of encouraged people to check this check out this line dollhouse the dollhouse family came out last week but i didn't get a chance to read that yet interesting yeah so I'm going to keep trying it. And it's kind of neat because the, the, the actually the very first opening scene happens, I think in present time and doesn't happen in 1983. Um, the very first scene is the person with the ax on the bridge, carrying a basket full of heads and the, and the heads are talking to each other. Ah. And then, and then that's, and then after that, we go to the, the rest of the book, which is that 1983 bit. So. Huh. Hmm. And that's from DC. The next one from DC is also a black label comic, and it's called The Last God, Book One of the Fellspire Chronicles. Hey. The Last God, Book One of the Fellspire Chronicles. Chapter One. It's written and created by Philip Kennedy Johnson. The artist is Ricardo Ferdici. The colorist is Sonny Gao with Dean White. The cartographer is Jared Blando. The letterer is Tom Nalapino. And then... Many other backup backup people. <laughs> this is a fantasy book. This is huh. not. This is not. This is not set in any like connecting DC universe thing. Um, again, a co- like much like the the twenty ninety nine, the overall palette of the book is is dark. I'm not a big fan of the palette of the book. A lot of reds and, and dark colors. But basically, it is a a story about a group of heroes that it was a world that was being attacked by gods or godlike creatures. So a group of heroes ascended the never-ending stairs to reach the home of the gods. That's two books now that have never-ending things in them. 
I wonder if it really is an never-ending stairs. It's something like that. But there, there are these stairs that lead up to them. Uh, the Black Stair is what it's called. Ah. They go up to the Black Stair to the home of the gods and confront them. And the all the all the, the townsfolk heard the tale about how they how they climbed up, and this group of adventurers was able to fight off and defeat these people. And when they came back down, there was peace. And not only was there peace, they had a new king. And the, all those adventurers became the ruling the ruling people, except for maybe one or two who went somewhere else. So the heroes that the heroes came down and they ruled over all the people and there was peace. So kind of like your standard D and D thing, right? Sure. Um, they have they have entertainment in the way of, of gladiatorial combat, um, that kind of stuff. Basically, what it comes down to is that I'm kind of trying to remember this because I read this weeks ago. Basically, what it comes down to is that one of the adventuring team comes back and they find out that that um, everything that they did was a lie. That whenever they whatever they did, oh, you know what? I never really read this book. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I read half this book. <laughs> I thought I read this whole thing, and as I'm looking through it, I'm like, I don't remember this. I don't remember this either. I read half this book. That explains it. That explains why I don't know what's going on. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'm sorry about that. Oh, but I do know. I do kind of know how it ends. Basically, the 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 group reforms. They find you find out that they lied. That they never really killed that that demon god thing that was up there. Okay. And they have to go back up there and take care of it again. I haven't even heard of this book. So yeah, you can read it and give it back to me then. And uh, so I can't even rate that one because I realize now as I'm talking about it that I haven't finished reading it. It literally got halfway through, like I'm flipping through it, talking about it. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't read this. <laughs> There's a song in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst review ever gave. <laughs> okay. Well, so uh... anyway, DC Comics, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a to be determined review. And I'll follow up on that one. God, I thought for sure I read that one. <laughs> I threw it on my pile to specifically talk about it, and I didn't finish it. And then the last thing I want to talk about is just a follow-up. Uh, I'm gonna, I don't have the other book, but I'm going to follow up on two books. One was Deceased. I talked about that a couple times. It finished up um, It finished up last week or two weeks ago. I haven't read the finish of it yet. But- yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just going to say for having read that entire miniseries, it was very good. Was it? I enjoyed it quite a bit. And that's kind of what this this follow-up is, is just me saying if it was worth it or not. Now, the other follow-up I want to talk about is DC's Event Leviathan. I haven't read that one yet either. Right. I really enjoyed Event Leviathan up to issue five. Oh. <laughs> oh. Issue six. I did read this whole book. I'm not going to say halfway <laughs> through that I didn't read it. Issue six. It's just so underwhelming. Really? Yeah. I mean, for what they were building up, it's kind of underwhelming. Uh, it's like they reveal a bad guy, and you're like, "Oh, it's that guy <laughs> or that girl." <laughs> so was it was it like kind of on the same level as um, the uh, Sanctuary? No, Sanctuary is much worse, and that's fi- <laughs> okay. and that's Final Crisis, by the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, Final Crisis, as you may recall, when I was starting to suspect it was Wally West, I was getting more and more upset. Yeah, and when they confirmed it was Wally West. I was very upset. Yeah, this is just like underwhelming mm. the whole scope of the leviathan organization is interesting and i think overall if it has a lasting impact on the dc universe it'll be worth it mm. um but it was underwhelming mm. um it's unfortunate i mean there's a whole big thing about you know how if you recall the last issue 
Leviathan was trying to convince Superman that what they were doing was right, mm. that continues in this. So the person who's doing this thinks they're right, and they don't want to just go out and kill bad guys. I mean, not bad guys. They don't want to go out and kill the heroes. They want to convince the heroes that what they're doing is right. Mm. Which, in the long run, as a creative writer, is probably going to be more interesting thing to write about because no one ever thinks they're a villain. Well, the, the people that right. the people like that are probably the more interesting characters to write. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, just pick any background character. Like, who's like the most be- airwave? Is this fine? Oh, Let's just pretend that that, that that Leviathan turned out to be airwave, and you're reading it going airwave. So that's that's kind of the level it's on. Yeah. 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 Or or during uh, yeah. during Armageddon 2099 or whatever. Oh. The- <laughs> 2001 uh, when everyone's like it's gonna be captain adam oh, yeah. and it, it's hawk <laughs> yes it's, it's hawk <laughs> yes yeah and i called it as hawk because i was reading hawk and dove <laughs> and when they were canceling it i'm like oh they're canceling hawk and dove that means that that that, <laughs> that monarch is gonna be hawk and all uh, my friends were like it's not gonna be hawk i'm like it is <laughs> and it was <laughs> yep so well, uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, that's my form. overall for if I'm going to rate the series as a whole as a whole after that, I'd say Deceased is a solid five, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say Event Leviathan is a solid four as an overall book. Now, would did that take off points for you, or that it did take off points okay. for me? All it right. probably would have been a five. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was like like six or a full gauntlet. No, but yeah, it would have been a five. But that and that last issue took took a point off for me. So uh, overall, okay. Well, uh, now if you want to talk into like little nitpicky things, that, no, not even nitpicky things. But I, I I love the fact that they had a book that that focused on the detectives. Yeah, right. right. I like that. I also don't think that Plastic Man is a detective. He was evil, Brian, a criminal. I don't yeah. think he was a detective. Yeah. I also don't think Green Arrow is a detective. No. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So the, I think they were just kind of throwing people in that weren't really being used and could be suspects, maybe. Maybe but. because I love Plastic Man, I like him. I would, you know, I let that go. Yeah, but the Green Arrow, yeah, I agree with you on. Yeah. Now, Team B. Remember when they introduced Team B a couple issues ago? Yes. It's the female question and Harvey Bullock and right. I don't know why why Deathstroke was on that team. But he was on that team too. Yeah, that's an odd one. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just these mishmash characters where each team had people that made sense and the people that didn't make sense. Yeah. And I'm glad that they brought back Manhunter, the female Manhunter. Oh yeah. She's a character that needs to be used more. Mm. She has got a lot, a lot of good potential there. So, mm. but yeah. So overall, for Event Leviathan as an event, four. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now we move on to my stack. Yeah. Make sure that the last one you throw down and say, "Yeah, I never read this." <laughs> <laughs> I might. <laughs> All right. So, of course, um, I'm glad you read this stuff. I'll one tell of you the, that right now. One of the big events. What's well, not? Well, it was a big event. It's a big deal. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily an event comic was or because it's kind of anyway. So the Jonathan Hickman, as we've discussed before, yeah. he came back. He kind of reimagined the X-Men right. in his House of X, Powers of Ten yeah. miniseries, which I loved. Yeah. Reinvented the, reinvented the mutant verse. Yes. Right. 
That is a mini event, basically. That, yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not like epic, but it's a it's, it's a re a reforming of what we know. So right, and so that spun off into what they're calling Dawn of X, um, and that is encompasses several yeah. books. Dawn of X, aka Open Your Wallet. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and I did. So far, I have been getting every number one issue. Of X Men stuff that has come out, including the first. I'm not going to review all of them. Yeah, but have you have uh, you read them all? Not yet. No. Okay. Um. Actually, when you came when you came over when yeah. you got here, I was in the middle of reading X Force number one. Yeah. Um. So I haven't read all of that, so I can't get. That's what I did. Just be like, yeah. It starts out, you know, people looking at each other. <laughs> there's a there's a thing. Uh, Wolverine does something, snick, pops his claws. Snick, snick. <laughs> but <clears throat> anyway, so I got I have three books here that I'll yeah. review out of that series. Yeah. And the first one is, of course, X-Men number one. Um now, so this is this is kind of like in a way like the, the Joe Hill thing where Jonathan Hickman is running the whole show basically. Yeah. But he's not writing every book. Right. But he is writing this one. You're running that in New Mutants, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Jonathan Hickman is the writer. Uh, Lineal Francis Yu is the artist. Jerry Allen, Allen Gielen is the inker. Sonny Go is the color artist. Uh, VCs Clayton Cowles is the letters. And Tom Muller is design. Um, and, of course, Lineal Francis Yu also did the cover. So this is the big main book if, of the X-Men, and it starts off by saying it's a brave new world. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if you haven't read the Dawn of X or Powers of Ten, then none of this is going to make much sense to you. But I think the gist of it is that the mutants have formed their own nation. They live within the extra-dimensional pocket that is the Iron of Krakoa, yep. and all mutants are there. Yes. Heroes, villains, all that stuff. Well, not all. There's still there's still other mutants out that they're trying to bring yeah. in. Yeah, but there and there's a ruling council yeah. of of mutants, and they're trying to make themselves uh, recognized by the United Nations and all that stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And this whole thing started because of Moira McTaggart, who we found out had lived her life many times over. She would get reincarnated every time she died, and she basically came to Charles and Magne- Charles Xavier Magneto and said, Hey, let me tell you a little story. Yep. And so they kind of did things. Her like, power, her power is groundhog day. Yeah. yeah basically <laughs> only it's groundhog life. <laughs> um, so it, the book starts out with Charles Xavier, um, meeting a young Cyclops who can't control his powers. Mm-hmm. So he gives him a Ruby, the quartz glasses. And then, you, when I was a kid, I always wanted Ruby Quartz glasses. I know, me too. They're too expensive. <laughs> yeah. And then you move on to present day with the X-Men, um, who consist of Cyclops, Storm, Polaris, Magneto, Dr. Ray, Reese, 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 Reese. I don't know if I know who that one is. Um, Jean Grey, Havoc, Vulcan. Um, so you've got all the Summers brothers. Yeah, Vulcan's a summer, right? Mm-hmm. Wolverine, Cable, Prestige, who is actually Rachel Summers. Oh. And Corsair. Worst dad in the world. Yeah. 
So it's basically the Summers clan yeah. plus a few extras. <laughs> um and and partially the Magneto clan as well. Magneto and Polaris. Why Polaris isn't his daughter? Yeah. She is? Yeah. I thought that was changed no. at some point. Not as far as I know. But anyway, so they're starting off with, with trying to get some other mutants um that are that haven't made it to Krakoa yet. Mm-hmm. And um trying to bring them into the fold. And um, so it starts off right in the middle of the action, big fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they are, I'm trying to remember who they're fighting. It's been a while for this yeah, one too. No problem. But anyway. They're fighting evil mutants? They're fighting, no, the they're not. They're fighting evil humans, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's, um, I can't remember what they're called, but it's a human group that is. Extremists? No, that's not. No, that that's the Iron Man stuff. Yeah, it was all it was a couple different versions of extremists. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But um, so they're they're trying to attack this group of scientists and stuff mm-hmm. that are trying to work on mutant thing. You know, um, <laughs> it's an interesting part here. They're they're invading the scientist compound mm-hmm. when they get attacked by a bunch of gorilla men. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> so, so Magneto says. You guys keep going. I'll take care of these guys. <laughs> and he looks he looks uh, angry and happy at the same time. <laughs> so of course he he meets up back up with them later and and you know, they don't mention what happened, but you know it wasn't pretty. <laughs> um so then they 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 go to free these other mutants and man, it's been a while. It has been a while since since I read this. They come across this little girl who's kind of like Mr. Negative. Okay. In yep. a way. Yep. She's a mutant, and um, and they're trying to convince her to come to Krakoa, mm-hmm. but instead she like has some kind of force field form around her, and she says she has to go, and then she kind of disappears, and they're like, no, wait, and then, <clears throat> so I don't know if more will happen with her, but I have a feeling it probably yeah, will. Probably. Yeah, probably. But then they, they break into the, where they're keeping all these mutants, and you can see it's a, a lot of children and others in a lot a lot lot of a lot of like monstrous mutations yes yeah yeah the really like there's this girl here with the tentacles girl yeah you got one with stuff one's on fire so these are like the the crazy you know the the, yeah most of the mutants that we see are just like perfect people with powers right and then there are the ones that are like hey i'm fully transparent yeah (laughs) and then you know like the morlocks yeah but these are like even more extreme so they bring them all back to Krakoa, and Doctor Ray's is their doctor, and she's she's checking them all out. She has powers too, but I can't remember. I can't remember what her powers are. Of eighteen PhDs. <laughs> yeah, maybe because <laughs> I only have I only have like a a basic knowledge of her. I've never heard of her before. She's been around for a little while, but yeah, the book is really nice. Yeah, and um, and there's a whole thing with with. Everybody's all Magneto has kind of become the big hero mm-hmm. of everybody, so they're all excited. Like you know, when he, he returns, everybody's like, "Magneto's back! Magneto's back!" <laughs> um, if you only knew, kids, because I still you don't trust him. Yeah, I don't trust Apocalypse. No, I don't trust <laughs> Apocalypse either. Um, but then um, Polaris and uh, Cyclops have a little one-on-one together. Mm-hmm. They start talking about. You know, can you believe all this world and and all this that's happening to us and everything? And basically, Polaris asked him. Um, um, Cyclops said, uh, "I believed in a thing, and now it's real." And then Polaris says, "Do you really believe that?" And Cyclops says, "Every word of it," because 
He's the good boy. <laughs> then we go back and we see more, like, the humans appear to be really technologically uh, advanced, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And this is, a, this is something called the Orcus Forge. Do we have any idea when the timeline is? No. I think it's present day, current timeline, mm-hmm. but I'm not 100% sure. But there's all this crazy stuff with the humans. When you find out this group is really, this anti-mutant group is really um, plotting something crazy. And then we have a nice little uh, conversation with the Summers. Mm-hmm. Scott and Corsair, Vulcan comes in, and even Wolverine <laughs> gets involved in the conversation. But, um, and this, this covers a lot of the characters, too, like introducing the characters and everything. Yeah. For a first issue. Cable's on the team, is he? Yes. He is? He is, yep. So all the Summers are on there? Yep. And of course, the, just as we, they have a design person on, on, the, on this book, they have, you have maps and mm-hmm. all this stuff on here. Yeah, this is the Summers house, mm-hmm. and it has a breakdown of who sleeps where, and Wolverine is in the Summers house, so yeah. he's like a part of the family, but <laughs> unofficially, you know? But, um, I mean, it's, it's the first issue, so it's an introduction to everything, but overall, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Um, Linnell Francis Yu. He's great. Um, I used to not like him as much back in like the Civil War days. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a, he, he had a little too much detail, but I think he's he's definitely improved over the years. So so I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed him on this book. Mm-hmm. And um, this one's a little tricky to give a rating to because it's it's a number one issue, so it introduces everything. But it's the X Men, and it's the new Jonathan Hickman X Men, and I know it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot. There's, there's going to be a lot going into this. Yeah. So I'm going to give that book a. I guess I'll go with a four, but I expect it to just get better and better mm-hmm. as it goes. Isn't the Orcus the Orcus Forge? Isn't that isn't that up by the sun? Yeah. So are they just making it now? That I'm not sure of, yeah. Because because in uh, Powers of X or Powers of Ten, I think, or House of X, one of those ones when they when they talked about it, right? They always talked about it in the future tense, like right? When they when you went there, it was always like twenty years in the future, right? Yeah, everything was Powers of Ten, so it was ten years and then a hundred years and then actually yeah. I so I think it, yeah. I think they're still they're just building it or whatever. That's one of the reasons why I didn't I didn't pursue finishing that. Like mm. I read up to. Half of that, and then there was, uh, and then when they did the Morium Attack at Reveal, I kind of read that, and then <laughs> I will read the rest of his book, but it's so dense. And it I've is. read, I've read a lot of Hickman, I've read FF's uh, his run on FF and loved it, right? But that took time to kind of get into too, because it's so even then that was it was dense, right? And his Avengers run, you know, once he went really cosmic with the Avengers stuff, mm-hmm. so he he takes each, each like genre of marvel and kind of does its own thing like and ff was technological in space avengers was big epic big epic event the right. infinity thing and this is nation building yeah and the x-men and this is the x-men which is already kind of dense to yeah. begin with yeah so all right so my next book is another book in the series and it is the marauders number one mm-hmm and named after bad guys yes and um this is written by jerry duggan um duggan or dugan it might be dugan yeah Yeah. you're yeah i think it is jerry dugan i apologize 
If it is, I don't know, but he's got two G's. Could be Duggan. I don't know. Anyway, um, I mean, Cherry, he's been doing books for a while and now. I had a good run on Daredevil and such. and uh, Deadpool, excuse me. I always do that. Same thing. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> um, that reminds me, did you see, there was a, was it a meme or something? Something I saw where it was something about Daredevil is a blind guy that uses echolocation. <laughs> To, to find his way in Batman's a guy that does a lot of crazy stunts and stuff. Yeah. So shouldn't it be the other way around? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have seen that. <laughs> anyway, um, Jerry Duggan or Dugan. Uh, art is Matteo Lolly. Uh, color is Frederico Blee. Uh, letters is VC's Corey Pettit. And Tom Muller, again, for the design. Which I like. I love the design and mm-hmm. the way they did these books. And the cover is Linneal Francis Hugh. So this book focuses, centers on Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. And it starts out with um, sometime a little bit in the beginning of Krakoa and when they're bringing all the mutants in. Mm-hmm. So they use these special portal gates that Krakoa creates yep. to you, travel back and forth. Yeah, And if Krakoa wants you to come in, you can come in. Yes. And all mutants are supposed to be allowed. Yes. But not Kitty Pride. Not Kitty Pride. So she tries to enter one of the portals. <laughs> she walks right into it and she hurts herself. <laughs> she kind of breaks her nose. Um, and nobody can figure out why she can't get in. She can't get in. Right. Nobody has a clue. Has anybody bothered to ask her Koa? I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Have they like, tried unplugging it and plugging it back in? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm like, has anybody even bothered asking it, Krakoa, why? Because they have... Um, Cypher could talk to Krakoa. Cypher, yeah. yeah. He can talk to Krakoa, so, hey, uh, you know, what's what's with that kitty? Maybe he doesn't know, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with her phasing powers, who knows? Yeah. But anyway, so that's how it starts off with her trying to get in the portal and not making it. So that becomes like a thing. <laughs> um. So basically, um, the final team is... Of the Marauders is supposed to be Kitty Pride, Lockheed the Dragon. Remember mm-hmm. Lockheed? Yeah, Lockheed's always with her. So, yep. uh, Storm, Nightcrawler, Iceman, Wolverine, Emma Frost, who actually isn't a part of the Marauders but is backing the Marauders, mm-hmm. Bishop, and Pyro. Oh. Um, and so basically, Storm wasn't part of the X Men. She was. No, no, the X Men title that we just talked about. Yeah, she's on that team too. So she's on both teams? Yep. All right. Yeah, Storm. Okay. Although she's not on the cover, so I don't know. Well, she's definitely in the book. She's a part-time X-Man. Maybe. Part-time Marauder. <laughs> so, of course, then next up, it's Kitty Pride. She manages to steal somebody's boat and uh, sail to Krakoa. And she did try She did try to promise that she'd bring the boat back, but that's probably not going to happen. So she, she sails to the actual island? Yep. Okay. She sails to Krakoa, and when she gets there, she tries the portal again. Nothing. And then she meets up with Iceman, who's, uh, you know, making fun of her for not being able to get in the, through the portal, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and then you see Logan come out, and he's all excited that she's here, because Logan gave her a shopping list of things <laughs> to bring with her when she comes. And that list includes ribs. Canadian Club Whiskey, (laughs) Beer, uh, Cubano Sandwiches, Pomade, and Coffee. 
<laughs> so he's very excited that she's here. But um, she's like, yeah, I don't have any of that stuff. No, she had it all. Oh, she did. Yeah. But um, so Iceman's like, oh, well, you know, uh, check out the island. You know, we'll try, we'll find you out where you're gonna live and all this. And she's thinking, she kind of feels like she doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she's not supposed to be there. Right. If the island doesn't want her in, then why is she even on the island? Right. So then we cut to um, sh- she starts having a psionic conversation with Emma Frost, mm-hmm. who's you know wherever some big city. Uh, it looks like she's at the Hellfire Club, and she's she's trying to convince Kitty to um, become like a sea captain. Basically, she's even offered her her own ship. Mm-hmm. But Kitty's not sure she wants to do that. And then, hey, there's Lockheed. Look at that. Kitty, have you thought about becoming a pirate? <laughs> oh, really? And then um, we find. Then they mention things like other places that are where the Krakoa gates are. There are people that hang around, people and other creatures and stuff, that hang around the gates to try and attack mutant. Really? Yeah. In fact... Just hang around the gates. <laughs> So, this is funny because, um, I'll tell you about that in a second. In fact, in Russia, mm-hmm. they won't let their mutants go to Krakoa. Oh, they're stopping them from going in the gate? Yes, because they are Russians. Yeah, that's what they would do. And they stay in Russia. Yep. So, um, Iceman goes to Russia to try and get the mutants, meets up with some Russian humans, mm-hmm. one guy who has some kind of power armor. Yep. With a a ray that, um, what's the word I'm looking? For? Neutralizes. Neutralizes. Thank you. You're welcome. Their powers. He hits Iceman with it. Iceman goes back into regular human form. In which two things that I found interesting about that. Number one, glad to see he still wears his underwear. <laughs> and number two, apparently he wears flip flops when he's in ice form, <laughs> which that's weird, but whatever. I don't know why I get so there you go. So he runs back through the portal and he sees Kitty and he tells Kitty what happened. Of course, Kitty's kind of broken into some of Wolverine's whiskey. Yeah. So she's having fun. And then, um, then we cut to this part where in uh, Taiwan, mm-hmm. there's the leader of Taiwan is talking about how, um, basically telling people that. Mutants are bad and blah blah blah, and you don't want to be a mutant, and uh, you know this. The mutant island is mm-hmm. bad, and mm-hmm. all that, all that crap. So Bishop comes to her and says, "What can I do to convince you to let me take your mutants?" And she basically says, "Nothing. We don't want them to go with you." So you see, there's still some resistance mm-hmm. among some of the countries. That's a typical, you know, Russia, China, yeah. things like that. You yeah. know. No big surprise. And then we flip to um, Storm had asked Kitty to bring Iceman back to Russia to talk to the, to try to get the mutants out. Yeah. Um, and because they wait around the, the gate, they're going to sail in. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's Kitty, Storm, and Iceman are sailing to Russia. And then they find out that Pyro was kind of sleeping below deck. So that's kind of how he ends up joining the team. Oh, so he wasn't asked to join the team? He <laughs> no, was just he was sleeping there. on the ship? Yeah, he was sleeping on the ship. So they're like, well, all right, whatever. And they go to Russia. 
you know, they fight the Russians, and, like, so that's funny, Kitty, through the whole issue, and even there was, um... She got banded in the black guy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, X-Force, so when I was reading X-Force, there was yeah. a little scene with her in it, and yeah. she still had the, the, band, <laughs> the bandages and stuff. So they go in, and they fight the, the Russians, and she's... Can she still phase? Yes. Okay. Because that's what she does here. All right. This guy's running towards her. Yeah. And she just phased and he went right through her. So she's kind of pretty angry for understandable reasons. Mm -hmm. So she's she's beating the crap out of these poor guys. Well, not poor guys. But, and she even takes a gun and shoots one in the leg. Wow. Which kind of surprised me from Kitty. Um. Oh, and also she likes to be called Kate. Oh. Instead of Kitty. Gotcha. <laughs> So, and then a tank comes mm -hmm. to stop them. And of course, she phases, phases through right the through tank. that. Yeah. <laughs> does she still disrupt electronics when she phases yes. through it? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what she does there. She fights another guy with a sword. Mm -hmm. She grabs his sword. So now that's how she has a sword. So, as you see on the cover, yeah. she's carrying the sword. So, as, you, you know, as you're reading this, you're like, oh, okay, I see where that's going. It's and, all making sense. And then, of course, um, they they ask Pyro to do something. He's like, "Well, I need a flame because Pyro's power is to manipulate flame." Right, he can't create it, but he can't create it. Yeah. So Kitty says, "Lucky, go!" Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and um, he used to. I mean, he used to carry a flamethrower. The those those tubes to connected to the thing in the back are flamethrowers. Yeah, he used to. So I don't know why he didn't in this case, but um, or maybe he was just out of fuel. I don't know. Maybe that would make sense. Oh no, because he actually asked for Lockheed. So maybe he just didn't want to use the fuel. Yeah, maybe. Because afterwards, he's like, dragon fire! <laughs> he attacks <laughs> the guys with it. So maybe that, that must have been what it was. He's like, hey, I got a dragon here. I want to use that. But anyway, they end up rescuing the uh, Russian mutants and, of course, sending them through the gate, which mm -hmm. Kitty, of course, can't go through. So then, on the final page, she basically says... Actually, it's not the final. But she basically says that she is going to... Um, if you're a mutant and you can't get to Krakoa, then the Marauders will bring you home. So that's her mission now. That's cool. Yeah. yeah and then she talks to, to Storm and stuff, and she gets most of her crew, a good part of her crew, Storm, Iceman, and Pyro, mm -hmm. and Lockheed. So there's still, like, Bishop and others that are coming. But anyway, um, so I don't know. I'm thinking this might be a fun book. Yeah, sounds like a fun book. Um, sounds like a lot less brain-bending as the other ones. Yeah. Basically, it's it is kind of um, the type of book I would expect from Jerry Dugan. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to reading more of it. Sounds good. Now, next up, Excalibur number one. I have a couple questions about this book. I have a couple answers. Might not like them, but I'll have. <laughs> I just want to know: Is uh, Psylocke British again? Yes. So, like, so she? I don't know. I have you explain it. Psylocke is back to her original British body, but it has nothing to do with the House of X powers of 10. This happened right before that in the Uncanny X-Men book, like last year, I think, something like that. And I read it, and I don't remember how it happened. Okay, but it happened before <laughs> But it this. happened, yes. So she's been British before that. Okay, so this book is, what the? Hmm. Um, this book was written by Teeny Howard who is a writer that I've been enjoying some of her stuff recently. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We reviewed a few of her things. Yes. Um, art is Marcus Toe. Color is Eric 
Arseniga, letters, VCs, Corey Pettit, Pettit, and design, of course, Tom Miller. And this team is Betsy Braddock, Rogue, Gambit, Jubilee, Apocalypse, Trinary, and Brian Braddock, Captain Britain. And it starts off in... Um, this one you kind of have to know a little bit about Captain Britain. I know a little bit about Captain Britain. And so there's a place called the Other World. Yeah, I know what that is. Okay. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's it's the place where Captain Britain's powers come from. Yeah, right. And and yeah. all the other Captain Britons, because there's a there's a multiverse of Captain Britons that right. congregate there. Yeah. So that's basically the Other World. And this book starts in the Other World. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh Morgan Le Fay being attacked by some people, and um and and uh she basically sends one of her knights through a portal to find out why this this strange portal has appeared mm-hmm. with some strange plants and stuff. So basically, oh yeah, yeah, that's not a portal. That's her. That's her scrying pool. Yes, but this the pool has a portal in it. Okay. Um, basically, it's a portal to Krakoa. Okay. That has appeared in her scrying pool. Yep. And she doesn't know why, so she wants to figure out why. Yeah. That's how it starts. And then we go to uh, Betsy Braddock and Brian Braddock um, having a conversation as they're getting ready for stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and then, um, oh, that's where it was. Betsy was getting ready to go to Krakoa. So, oh yeah, Brian was saying goodbye. Yeah, and they go, and she sees she runs into Apocalypse. Um, Trinary is like Apocalypse's assistant, and there's a weird thing here where, where, uh, right up here, mm-hmm. I don't want to be called Apocalypse. I want to be called this symbol. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm that's like, a new name. I'm like, okay, Prince. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and then Trinary says, "Sure, I can pronounce that." Um, is Trinary a new character? A new character? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I've never heard of her. I feel there's like, not a lot of mutants I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've seen her before, but she might have been more of a background character. Um, so, so, oh, sorry. Um, so Cyclo- uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. <laughs> Cyclops, Apocalypse, Cyclops, Cyclops, Psychopolis, Psychopolis. It and Trinary are talking um, about the new generation of mutants and all this. Mm-hmm. And you see, at one point, Gambit's kind of listening in, eavesdropping. Doesn't that open up with like Apocalypse, like looking out at everybody partying? Yeah. So I got to that part of the book because I started to read this and I stopped. When I got to that part of the book, all I could think of was The Matrix Reloaded. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, so Trinary asks Apocalypse to investigate the portal that is open to Otherworld because nobody it opened on its own. Nobody Oh, really? Yeah. So they're trying to figure out why. And then we switch over to um a place called Fair Green Hall in North Yorkshire, where some mages are being attacked by spirits and stuff. And then Morgan Le Fay appears before them. And basically says, um, I want you to figure out where this portal is coming from, and until you do, I'm shutting off all your magic. Oh, okay. So she does that, and then she disappears back into the other world. And then we go back to Krakoa, 
and um, Psylocke. I'm getting all the names confused. <laughs> Psylocke runs into Jubilee. The artist formerly known as Apocalypse. <laughs> and they have, you know, they meet, they, they have a... Jubilee, Jubilee's not a vampire anymore, is she? I'm not sure. I don't think she is. I don't think so. And then someone comes out and says, hey, uh, your brother, not, not Brian, but Jamie. I don't know who that is. I don't either. This is the first I knew that she had another brother. Jamie Braddock? Jamie Braddock. He is causing trouble at the hatchery where the mutant children come from. God, the hatchery is so weird. I know. So, you know, she comes and, and scolds him and stuff. And for he's, you know, he's kind of like a party guy. So he's, you know. And then she runs into Apocalypse. And Apocalypse tells her about the portal that opened up in the other world. And how it, you know might tie into the Captain Britons and such. and He's a reality-warping mutant. Oh. Huh. Okay. Interesting. I think he was only in the UK book. Hmm. Because Captain Britain has, uh, had, its own, had his own book over in the UK. So then Bet, uh, Psylocke goes and tells Captain Britain of what's going on. So Captain Britain goes to the other world, where he gets runs into Morgan Le Fay. But then we switch to... Gambit and Rogue having a conversation, and then we switch back to uh, Gambit and Rogue who run into Apocalypse, and then Jubilee finds them, and all this other stuff, and you find out that Morgan Le Fay has captured Captain Britain, and kind of taking control of his mind, and all this other stuff happened. This, this, this book was, felt a little kind of convoluted to me. You're not the only person to tell me that. And then at one point... She Sarah becomes Captain Britain, right? Becomes the new Captain Britain. Yeah, I've had other people talk to me in a store and say this book is kind of all over the place. Yeah, it felt a little all over the place. And not not my favorite one so far. Um, plus, I've never been that big into the Captain Britain and all that. I mean, I know a little about him and everything, but I'm not like a big Captain Britain fan. So Gambit and Rogue are on the team also. Yeah. Magic and Jubilee, hmm. Apocalypse. Megan, like uh, the girl that used to be on a, on, on Excalibur back in the old days. Yep. But she's not on the list here, but she's definitely here. Yeah, I don't know if she's going to be on the team or just, I don't know. Interesting. Well, I mean, I I think I'm, I'm more interested in seeing how they handle Apocalypse out of this whole book. Yeah, and what part he'll play in it. But I think I'd have to go with a, for a rating, I'd have to go with a three on that one. I think I read somewhere that this is meant to, this is meant to be how magic and mutants interact. Yeah, basically. They haven't advertised it yet, but there's going to be a Fantastic Four X Men crossover. Oh, really? Yeah, because they're going to try and recruit Franklin Richards. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere. They were going to. Well, try to- in the in the House of X, they mentioned it right away. The, the, the I think it's like an issue one or two. They run into BFF. Right. And uh, Cyclops is like, hey, Franklin can stay with us whenever he wants. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. All right, now my next book is Dr. Doom. Yeah, I want to hear about this. I bought it, but didn't read it. And it was written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru FX, uh, letterer VCs Corey Pettit, and the cover was ACO. So this is... um, as far as time frame goes, I'm not exactly sure. I th- thought it was present 
in time in the Marvel Universe, but I'm not 100% sure. Because it starts off with um, there, the 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 rest of the world is building has built a um, a space station that's supposed to remove carbon dioxide emissions from Earth's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it starts off with a big new, you know, like Doom's watching. Um, there's a big news report mm-hmm. on the news about it, and they they go over to interview Doom, and Doom's like, "It's not going to work." <laughs> it's gonna fail and when it fails i will laugh at you <laughs> um and then <clears throat> excuse me after that it goes back to latveria where doom is um <laughs> where a guy guy comes in who to remove doom's microphone and doom's like get away from me and he, hit, <laughs> <laughs> he knocks him away and then um he's walking through his castle talking to one of his guards about how that station's gonna fail, mm-hmm. and this this is what was kind of an interesting part to me. Um, so he goes he goes out to the balcony of his castle to mm-hmm. look up into the sky, and he starts talking to his uh, assistant, and he asks her how his father how her father's doing, and they have like a uh, a like a an actual heartfelt conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, is it Valeria? No, it no. is not Valeria. Her name is Petra. Okay. So it's like, um, and he, he asks her about her children and all this. So it's like, it's, it's the side of doom that they don't always show, but where he cares about his people. Yep. And yep. so it's always, it's kind of interesting. So then we go back to doom alone in his study. Uh, he's writing in his journal or whatever, his diary. When all of a sudden Kang shows up. Kang. <laughs> And um, <laughs> Kang shows up and he says, I'm growing tired of this Kang. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kang's like, where am I? And he tells him where he is. And he's like, what time am I in? Kang doesn't know? You no, know, you know, the usual. There's something. Um, he says he's supposed to be in. I'm supposed to be in the Goss sector of remote quadrant Zulu. And he says, why does this keep happening? And Doom's basically like, I don't care. Get away. <laughs> So then they start, um, Doom, you know, King keeps going on like, what, what time is, so Doom tells him about the, the space station that's mm-hmm. supposed to remove the CO2. And, um, and, uh, Doom says, you remember it? And King says, vaguely, it was supposed to save the world, I guess. <laughs> so apparently it didn't. Um, and then Doom asks him, King, why am I tethered to you? So there's something interesting there and king says they must be distantly quantumly related yeah related they're supposed to be the same person yeah they are right yeah kang is everybody that's yeah. only about that song right yeah yeah everybody's kang kang is everybody <laughs> look it up great song so then then doom offers kang a drink kang says i don't drink with my enemies but then he did <laughs> he goes, I don't drink with my enemies, Snatch. <laughs> sure, I'll t- I don't drink with my enemies. Well, all right. Um, so they start having a conversation, and then all of a sudden, Kang disappears. Mm-hmm. Poof. <laughs> and then, and Doom says, "Until next time." Then, then we switch over to Doom going through his nightly ritual, <laughs> putting on bandages. Yeah, and he like puts some kind of ointment on them or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have happened if he hadn't picked up the scabs. Hey, you know, they get itchy. Yeah, he was just like, put the mask on now. <laughs> but sir, it hasn't cooled yet. <laughs> no! 
(laughs) (laughs) And then let's switch over to the scene of a family in Doom's study having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And one of them is actually Victor Von Doom. Yeah, it looks like him. As a normal, regular person, mm-hmm. having playing with his children, mm-hmm. and then he goes to kiss his wife, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, he's like, what the hell was that? Oh, did you see it? Yes. It was a vision he had. And then um, he, says, he says, what is this? Children? <laughs> and then he opens the door, and he has another like vision of some kind of weird off-world planet or something, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's a song playing. That I didn't recognize, but and then uh, all of a sudden it just goes to flips to weeks later, mm-hmm. and um, and then they're talking about his assistants telling him that um, the Simkarian border is simmering down. They were trying to invade Latveria and everything, and um, so and it goes into twenty ninety nine ads. <laughs> yeah, and then um, he he leaves his assistant and he walks into this room, and he says. Good morning, Steve. And Steve is uh, somebody that he has all tied up with, like a um, Silence of the Lamb. Yeah, he's a man in an iron mask, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and he he just tells his assistant, you know, see how uh, make sure that he's fed today and all that stuff. So there's like no explanation at all yet of who this guy is or why he's all tied up. Mm-hmm. Or and then we go to do meditating. And he has another vision of him fishing with his son. Uh, and then we go to the moon where they have the control center for that space station that's yep. supposed to take. And there's some people there working it. And all of a sudden it explodes. And of course, we find out that the, it was, the explosion was caused by missiles okay. that were launched from Latveria. What? But not by Doom. So um, he, he sees the missiles launch, and he's like, what is going on? I did not order a launch. Mm-hmm. And he goes to, to his headquarters, and uh, he says, what's going on? And they're like, we don't know. They just launched. Mm-hmm. And we also find out that there's another, there's a, a group of terrorists attacking the base, the headquarters, uh, space station, mm-hmm. who are saying that they're Latvian terrorists. Um, but he you know, didn't, he didn't instigate any of this he, stuff. None of it. No, he has nothing to do with it, or so he says. But <laughs> um, he seems pretty surprised by it all. Uh, and then we find out that um, and then he he tells everybody um, he kind of goes into a basic panic mode because mm-hmm. he knows that they're everybody's going to come after him now. Right. Yep. And um, he basically tells everybody, um, just we're going to surrender, just full unconditional surrender and they're all like but master you know we never surrender you're doomed we're not right. gonna and he's, right. he's just like surrender and that was it and that's where it leaves off oh wait i'm sorry that's not where it leaves off i forgot one part so he's out on his balcony again mm-hmm. and he knows you know he's he's trying to think of what he's gonna do he knows things are coming and all of a sudden this is two hours later he gets attacked by you and jack, jack. Union Jack. Union Jack. Who's coming in to take him in for his crimes. And uh, and then Union Jack fights him. And then he gets knocked out by Doom. And then somebody tries to take a shot at Doom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then another crew comes in and tries to take him in. And then they're like, 
back off, Jack. This, he's ours. And Jack's back like, off, no, I Jack. was here first. So then they fight some more. And then um, it ends with a fleet of helicopters coming towards Doom's castle. Mm-hmm. So, oh. That's oh, a good scene. Like that yeah, scene. Of course, he has another vision of him with, uh, with his wife or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. in the middle of all this. So Weird. Very yes, weird book. that's a basic, a good description of the book. It was weird. And it was weird, it was confusing, and it was crazy, but all in a good way, in which you're reading it and you're like, I don't know what is going on here, but I want to find out. I want to know more. And I really enjoyed this book, and I'm giving this one a five. A five. A five. I bought it. I haven't read it yet, so I'll look it over closer when I get home. I enjoyed it, and I am very much looking forward to reading more. I don't remember, though, if this is a miniseries or an ongoing. Yeah, I don't know either. I think Doctor Doom deserves his own series. I think so, too. Yeah. And if this first issue is any any sign of where we're going, Mm -hmm. I definitely want it to be an ongoing. It It was very good. Ah, my next book is The Batman's Grave, which I wanted to read because it is written by Warren Ellis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So Warren Ellis, uh, Warren Ellis' take on Batman. Mm-hmm. And the pencils are Brian Hitch, inks are Kevin Nolan, colors Alex Sinclair, letters by Richard Starking. Mm-hmm. And this is starts out kind of with a little poignant scene of Alfred going to the Wayne's grave. and cleaning them, which he does apparently once a week. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, also, um, you might note that only rich people are allowed to bury their kin in their own backyard. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, we go to a, a really nice splash, double splash page of Batman looking over Gotham. Mm-hmm. Really nice, really. And then we get an ad. These ads keep fooling me. Me too. Every time. Yep. <laughs> I start reading. I'm like, what is going And I'm like, oh, it's an ad. It's not just an ad. It's uh, Svengoolie meets the DC Universe. Yes, yeah. And this is an ad for Snickers. Um, so then we go to a scene of somebody getting mugged. And of course, Batman comes and saves them. So we get a nice fight montage mm-hmm. of Batman taking out the muggers. And then, like... One thing that's always interesting is seeing the different Batmobiles that artists oh, yeah. do. So yeah. here's Brian Hitch's Batmobile. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Kind of spoiler looking. And uh, Batman's driving the Batmobile, talking to Alfred. And um, Batman says he's heading back, but Alfred says there was an indiv- uh, a 911 call. Uh, and he says it's one of those nights where the police are simply putting callers on hold. <laughs> <laughs> and of course Batman's only 10 minutes away so he goes to find out what's going on and he meets he sees a woman with a kid and an old man mm-hmm. and he starts asking questions and um they say basically he's you know the guy in the apartment's quiet he keeps to himself blah blah yeah. blah yeah so he goes in to the guy's apartment and the guy is dead in a suit on his fold out couch bed mm-hmm. and there are pictures of batman all over the walls of his apartment wow so of course batman is and the guy's looks like he's been dead for quite some time yeah yeah um 
So, of course, instantly, Batman wants to find out what is going on. Mm -hmm. So he starts doing his detective work. And then afterwards, he goes back to the Batcave. I gotta say, there's some nice... Um, there's some nice artwork from Brian Hitch mm -hmm. in here. And he has a conversation with Alfred. Um, and Alfred talks a little bit about his past and everything. And he basically has a conversation with Bruce about, you know, why, about being Batman and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So then they do this interesting thing where Batman has, like, a virtual yeah. crime scene yep. computer. That, like he scanned the whole room. Yeah, you know, and he just, just yeah. creates a holograph so he can just kind of investigate it at his own leisure. Um, and he starts learning more about the guy who died. And and in one part, he while he's investigating, he starts having a conversation with the dead guy. Huh? <laughs> yeah, which is really weird. And then um, after that, Batman goes back to the place to find out what why that happened. He breaks into the guy's apartment, <laughs> and he sees the guy. The guy is under the floorboards. He looks under the floorboards. There's a body under the floorboards? And there's a guy there, and he asks the guy what he's doing, and he basically says, I was lonely. Oh, so weird. And that's the end of the issue. <laughs> so, kind of a kind of a typical of what you'd expect from Warren Ellis. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I'm... I'm looking forward. Yeah, to but they don't tell you. Don't you didn't mention that uh, they show Bruce Wayne's grave at the beginning. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so it starts out there's three graves. Well, that's a Batman's grave. Interesting. But I'm looking forward to reading more of that. That one issue two's out. Yes, I have issue yeah. two. I just haven't read it yet. Yeah. That one I'll give. I'll give that one a four. I think that seems interesting. I'll check it out. Yeah, it was pretty good. I read this issue two's out, and I've read that also. Oh, I haven't read issue two yet. Yeah. Oh, good. Then you can talk about it with me. Yeah. So the next book is The Metal Man. I love The Metal Man. I do, too. Every time they do a book, I get it. Me, too. And it's always Dan Dio writing it. I know. And he's not necessarily great at it. Yeah. But <laughs> So this is actually going to be a 12-issue maxi-series. That's, 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 a, that's a commitment. Which is, they seem to be doing that a lot lately. Yeah. It's like the new thing. Um, and yes, it was written by Dan DiDio. Uh, art by Shane Davis, uh, Michelle Delecki is the inks, Jason Wright is the colors, Travis Lanham is the letters. And basically, it starts off with um, some reminiscing about the metal man and everything. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no problem. I don't remember how it starts out. I know, I know that, that Gold confronts Will Magnus saying that they found the room. Yes. And Will Magnus is like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yes. And they basically found the room with all their discarded bodies. Yes, that's like, what, yeah. Not just their discarded bodies, but all their, like, every iteration of the Metal Men that has ever been right. is in that room. Because they've tried, like, re redesigning these characters multiple times. Yeah. They've tried redesigning these characters multiple times, yes. and every time they try and redesign them, they do like a, something a little bit different with them. Mm -hmm. So when they go in that, when they go, they go in that spare room. Like every version of them are in there, right? So there's a little Magnus does a little reminiscing, and then they find that room, and then and Magnus the entire time is confiding, confiding in one person that he thinks that he can confide into, <laughs> and we quickly find out that it's not ten. What is that one's name? It's 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 a small robot like Tin, 
but it's a female and it's not she's not old what's her name is it i think it's old what's her name Old you, what's her name? yeah you keep talking and I'll, I'll look it up real quick i think i don't, I don't actually think they mention her name though yeah i think it's old what's her name but then it, there's a part where magnus gets called to this um uh mine because they found a a vein they found the largest vein of nth metal in known existence. Yeah, in Challenger Mountain. Mm-hmm. So then we go we go back to the metal men um, confronting Magnus about the room. There's a nice splash page with all of the dead former metal men. Yeah, that's I love that page. Including I love this too down here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great page, and it's kind of. <laughs> Like, I can understand if you're the metal men and you see this, like some of the way the bodies are tied up or hanging or it's a little disturbing. Well, they have to respond to meters and they know that when their bodies are destroyed, they just get rebuilt. Right. Um, I think there's a thing about the respond to meters. A couple of different times they've tried to reinterpret what it does. Like they did one way where they, where they were trying to say that the respond to meters were actually Will Magnus's human friends that were scientists, but they oh, all right. died in yeah. an accident, and he kind of put them in there. That's right. not that's not true anymore, right? But yeah, because they've made so many changes. So then um, he kind of explains to them what you know that those are the former incarnations and everything. And her name is Nameless. Okay, <laughs> Nameless. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then it ends when he when. Magnus is talking to Nameless. He gets a phone call, or a video call, I should say, and it is the woman who brought him to the mine, whose name I can't remember, and she tells him that there's a, that in the vein of Nth Metal, they discovered a sentient life form, Mm -hmm. and that life form is asking for Magnus by name. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. That's That's how it ends, right? So they have to go check it out. Yeah. In issue two, they go and check it out, and he uses um, something, a Thanagarian. What's a Thanagarian? I think he got it from Adam Strange, actually. He uses a, a device he got from Adam Strange. It's a telekinetic, like, brainwave synthesizer or something like that. It's got a one-time use, and he uses it to link up to the to the, to the the uh, intelligent Nth Metal Man, oh, is what okay. they're calling him. <laughs> And metal man, and he changes his form to look like Will Magnus, and, oh. it, and he copies everything Will Magnus does, which is kind of a. In the past, they've tried to turn Will Magnus into a metal man himself, mm. so I don't know if they're kind of following that in this one too. Um, but we see a lot of we see a lot of the metal men doing metal men things in this in the second issue. Like, okay, yeah. like when the nth metal man starts to reform again, he's like. He tells iron and steel to blockade it. So they become, you know, a dome with like all this protective stuff around it. And he has mercury and tin create a perimeter fence around it. Uh-huh. So they become a perimeter fence. And each one talks about what they can do. It's like, we can block radiation, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like they used to do in the old days. Right. So that's kind of a throwback. and was kind of neat. I was going to review this, but I changed my mind. The it's uh, the Joker book. Joker killer smile. Yeah. Which I did not expect to be such a large book. I didn't think it was that big. Oh, you mean large as in size wise? Yeah, size yeah. wise. I think out of all the all the um the the black label stuff, it's not content wise, there's not much in it. Yeah. I didn't buy it. 
Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, that's. I mean, sometimes that's all I need to say. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I don't know if I'm going to keep reading it. So what do you think about the Metal Man? What do you want to rate it? Yeah, that's a good question. <sighs> um, I don't know. What do you think? I'd give it a four. It's really probably a three. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I'm like... 3.5? Sure. <laughs> There's no such thing. Three and a half. Three and a half. Like, um, I like Metal Men, so I want to give them a four. That that's how I am too. But it's like, really probably just a three. Yeah, I'm like I love the Metal Men. And Nostalgia. I, I want to give it higher, but really, it's probably a three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to turn out to be overall a great book. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, that'll do it for our reviews. So now we just have a couple other things we wanted to talk about real quick, uh, including. Well, the main thing is Disney Plus has come out. Disney Plus is amazing. And we both have Disney Plus and we yeah. both love it. Yeah. So much stuff on it. Have you watched any of the, any of like the classic Disney stuff yet? Well, um. Or did you jump right in on Star Wars and then well, just yeah. have that? So the first night I got it, mm-hmm. I watched The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I watched The World According to Jeff Goldblum because mm-hmm. I love Jeff Goldblum. And I watched the first episode of the 90s X-Men cartoon. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. So, but that. Yeah, I was going through all the all the cartoon stuff on there. And uh, I was I was just shocked by how much they have. Shocked. Yeah. The, I was just, I must have spent, I don't know, at least a half an hour or so just going through everything. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, it's, ugh. I put on the uh, the Jessica Drew Spider Woman cartoon and watch oh, yeah. and watch the first episode because yeah. I grew up I was I grew up watching that and my roommate came home and he's like what are you watching I was like Spider Woman he's like oh I remember this so we sit down and we're watching it and I start laughing because I'm just like I didn't realize that she had all those weird powers like <laughs> she has she has enhanced spider hearing that she was able to hear spiders like in the wall. Uh, she has a way to control spiders I think like like Aquaman I think oh wow. <laughs> Um, I don't think any of that was in the comic. No, none of that stuff's in the comic. <laughs> and she's just got these weird powers where we're just like, what? <laughs> so, but yeah, so got, we went through. I looked at all the cartoons I could do. I, um, I was the first thing I did was like, all right, you know what? Before I watch any of the Star Wars stuff, because I'm going to watch out with my friends, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to watch Snow White. I was like, I don't think I've seen Snow White since I was maybe 10 years old. Right. So I put it on. And I was watching it, and I got about, I got less than halfway through it, and I turned it off. Because I'm like, I don't like Snow White. <laughs> it's like, this animation is too dated for me. I get it. It was great. I know what it did historically for animation. But I didn't even get the dwarves. I just got the, I just got the when she got chased into, chased into the forest, you know, but a huntsman. And, okay, uh, and, he, and, and I was, I was, I was like, all right, I think I'm done with this. It felt too much like rotoscoping, mm. and I don't like rotoscoping. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan. And I don't it. think they did rotoscoping. I think it was just they did animation that good. Um, right. It just felt like it, and I was mm. like, oh. and then there was singing. Yeah, mm. <laughs> always with the singing. <laughs> but it wasn't good singing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and like I said, I watched Spider Woman, and then finally we all got together and we watched the first two episodes of Mandalorian. Ah. Uh. And uh, it is perfection. Oh, I love it. It gives me hope for the Star Wars franchise again. Uh, like the movies have been kind of. I liked. I liked Force Awakens an awful lot. Uh, Last Jedi, I I didn't really love it. I, I'm not. I don't want to admit it, but I didn't really love it. And I'm hoping that this last movie is really good. So yeah, I think. It, I'm wondering if there will be 
some sort of connection to the Mandalorian. In the movie? Yeah. I don't think so. Because Mandalorian is only like five or six years after after Return of the Jedi. Yes. But I'm thinking with the Baby Yoda thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe. I'm wondering... That's got to go somewhere. Yeah, of course it will. I was—I haven't seen the third episode yet, but I was talking to people. Oh, this, third episodes. Is it really good? Ah, oh. yeah, I've heard. Uh, I'm gonna watch it when I go home tonight. Um, I was talking to people in the store, and I said, "I said everyone loves Mandalorian," and they're all like, "Yeah, yeah." And I go, "You do you want to know what would make the entire world lose their collective minds?" And they said, "What?" I said, "The last episode." Boba Fett appears. <laughs> it's just a Mandalorian yeah, would, yeah. and Boba Fett standing there facing <laughs> off against him. I go, the world would lose their minds yeah. and, and they would just be chomping at the bit for season two <laughs> and never, ever, ever dropping subscription. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and then I'm starting to tackle uh, Clone Wars on that too. Oh, yeah. There's just so much stuff on it. It's totally so worth much. it. I, yeah. It's so, I, I've, I've already convinced two people to get it. And, and I become a Disney show. Yeah. Get it. You gotta get it. <laughs> well, basically, I tell everybody, if you are a fan of any of Disney, yeah. Pixar, yeah. Marvel, Star yeah. Wars, any of that. Yeah. That's it. It's th- there. Then there's no reason not to get it. I, um, I found out that the Muppet movies were on it. Yes. And I was like, oh, the original Muppet movie's on it. So I went to the original Muppet movie, and I was like, oh, they have extras. And so I went to their extras. Yes. And they, they did a screen They did a, a screen test for Kermit and Fozzie out in the wild. Oh, because wow. Because they were doing outdoor puppetry, and they yeah. hadn't done that. And it's like 15 minutes of them, like, you know, in different, different like, you know, near on a fence outside, around a tree outside, <laughs> right. in, a, in a car, you know, how they were filming them in the car. They didn't show you how they put the puppeteers in there, but they were just filming them, and they were all in character, and it was so funny because Fozzie's hat <laughs> is falling off like every two seconds. It's so funny. I have to check that <laughs> yeah. out. I like that that they have extras. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Some of the stuff, stuff like I checked the Mandalorian, all they have is a trailer. Yeah, but maybe someday they'll put on a behind the scenes thing I would or love something. That. Yeah, that I would, would love be that. awesome. You know, my buddies were talking about how there was a lack of Mandalorian merchandise. And especially since everyone wants a baby Yoda now. And I know mm-hmm. they announced that they're making a baby Yoda, but um I was just like, you know what? They they pretty much had to not put out merchandising because if they did, then all of this would, would have been spoiled. Yep. And that's what they did. Yeah. They held off because they knew the second there's a toy made for baby Yoda, we would have known about it six months ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Because it's all I mean, like two seconds after the episode dropped, it was all over the internet. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I didn't get spoiled for me. Yeah. So I'm I'm satisfied with Disney Plus, and I will continue to watch. Oh, very satisfied. Yeah. Yes, I'm very happy with it. And I want I just I want to go back and watch all the old stuff that I used to watch. Not yeah. just the Marvel stuff, but like the you know Darkwing Duck, and I used to watch the Gummy Bears and yeah. Gargoyles. I can't wait. To I'm watch looking for the I'm looking for their old movies. Like I'm looking for um, who's the guy that played Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. So he did Disney movies, mm. right? And he did like he did one where like he got superpowers. He was like the stuff. The stuff. And either contaminated the milk he had or something, but he would eat the cereal because it was just <laughs> contaminated milk or something. And smoke would come out of his nose and ears, and he would get really strong. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to see this. I I just I just have a, a vague memory of this Disney show that I saw. And I was kind of, uh, I started watching some of the reruns of the 
the Wonderful World of Disney. I don't think they have that on there. I think I was watching those on on YouTube the other day, mm. but I think it would be neat to watch some of those too because I grew up watching that stuff. Well, I mean, you know, there there will always be more stuff coming. Yes. So. Yep. So that's good. And then yeah. uh, the next thing on our list to talk about is uh, HBO's The Watchmen. The Watchmen. Are you watching any of it? Yeah. Okay. Are you up to date? Yes. All right. So I watch it Sunday nights. I don't know when it. Oh, it airs Sunday nights, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're up. We're even, Steven, then. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think. Well, first of all, I love it. I think it's great. Yes. I do too. Yeah. Um, I think that the newest episode is going to really be a big information. The last episode was a big info drop. Yes. It was the one with Looking Glass, mm-hmm. you know, finding out about the conspiracy and all that stuff. Yep. And the newest episode is going to be um, Sister Knight finding out about her grandfather's history and all that stuff. And I think between the two of those episodes, we're going to pretty much, because that, that would be by, that would be episode seven, right? I think that's episode seven. Maybe. Right. Yeah. And there's only nine episodes, I yeah. think. So it's a short season. So we're almost done. Yeah. It's either six or seven or something. Yeah. I suspected um, since episode two that um, Adrian Viet was not on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently he's on the moon, a moon of Jupiter, uh, Europa. He's on Europa. Um, I, I read a I read an article with uh, Damon Lindelof, and he said it was Europa. And if you you know as 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 people who listen to podcasts, uh, there's a Watchmen podcast, which yes, is, is really yep. good. Did you hear it? I did, yeah. With David Lindelof, who talked yeah. about the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. That's the only thing I don't like is he's they're doing three episodes at a time. Yeah. So it's like, eh, I want to. I don't mind. I want to hear every yeah. episode, you know. But I mean, that's that means they could talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and it'll that's be a long true. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was. I enjoyed listening to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, it's a really good show. Yeah. I'm really happy with it. I'm, I'm gonna be sad when it's off the air. Yeah. Yeah. And the final wrap up I want to talk about is Teen Titans is almost over. Season two. Mm-hmm. My Titans season two is almost over. Right. And I can tell you, I don't like it as much as I like season one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. It's still good. Mm-hmm. Um, But they're taking a long road to turn Dick Grayson in the Nightwing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's a little long for me. Yeah. Um, Deathstroke's not a bad, not a bad villain. He's done well. The actor they chose for him. Mm. Dr. Light was pretty interesting. He's kind of a dope. Uh, he's got a cool power, though. It's different than what it is in the comics. Oh, really? Yeah, like, so the light bulb's up here. He would just kind of put his hand up towards it, and he would draw energy from the light bulbs. Huh. And so it's kind of like an electric power, but right. it's not. It's yeah. light. So he's drawing light from light bulbs. Oh, yeah. And then using it to fire things. So he's not he's not doing any kind of electrical blast. He's just using light somehow. Kind of like maybe Dazzler. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ravager. I think her name is the son of the son of Deathstroke is in it. She's mm-hmm. pretty cool. They added Connor Kent and Crypto. Crypto's amazing. Huh? Crypto <laughs> Crypto is really, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um the Tim Drake Robin is not Tim Drake Robin. Jason Todd Robin's still in it. Oh. Wonder Girl's been a big part of it this season. They had Aqualad on it. <laughs> so it's good. It's it it's good as it's really good as far as characters in character introduction. But I just think that what I'm not happy with is the long road that taking the turn Dick Grayson and Nightwing. Oh yeah, because it kind of he's kind of like losing his mind, you know, being feverish. Mm. He had himself totally segregated and thrown in jail because mm. he wanted to be he wanted to just get away from everybody. Huh. And when it's all said and done, he's going to be like, "I'm Nightwing, <laughs> success." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that will be exactly how it happens. <laughs> I think that's it. Oh, and then Star Trek. Star Trek Discovery was doing the short treks, which is like 
little 15 minute episodes. Mm. They did one that dealt with the first meeting of Spock and number one on Pike's ship. Ah. That was bad. It was, it was a, it was a, it was basically a two people stuck in an elevator storyline, <laughs> but they just kind of talked to each other. Mm. Then they did one with uh, Tribbles. <laughs> they basically explained how Tribbles were created. Oh, really? Yeah. The guy who was the voice for Archer. Yeah. Is, was the guy that kind of created Tribbles. Like they existed, but he's the one who kind of genetically manipulated them. So they just kind of produce. Oh, the yeah. Way they produce. Yeah. And that was a really, really funny episode. <laughs> and then, uh, and then there was the last episode that they did where it was about Christopher Pike, like testing one of his officers about what, what how they would handle a, uh, a situation where there was a mutiny and the, the, everyone turned on the captain and she was in charge of putting him in the brig. So it was, it was like a loyalty test. Huh. Yeah. So it was pretty, um, but it wasn't a mutiny. Actually, I take that back. There was say, there was proof that Pike was doing something mutinous. So the, the the team and like the entire ship turned on him. So she believed that Pike had to be imprisoned, and so the, the entire time he was like throwing every every regulation in the book at her to try and convince her to let her out of the brig. But she was like, no, no, no. Hmm. That wasn't bad. Hmm. So interesting. That's my TV watching. All right. Well, that was some good stuff there. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Before we end? Yep. All right, then. I guess that will do it for this episode of the Monthly Comics Cast, brought to you by the New England Society of Geeks. As always, thank you, Dario, for joining me. Thank you very much. Um, actually, this is you're the one who wanted to initiate this episode. Yep. <laughs> it was funny. I wasn't expecting that. When when you messaged me, I'm like, what? Well, I had the time. Like yeah. I said, I was in town. I had the time. So Great. Well, thank you for joining me, and um, thank you all for listening. And that'll do it for us for this evening. And until next time, thank you. How many times am I going to say thank you? <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> and, thank you, Elvis. <laughs> and good night, everybody. See ya. Thank you for your cooperation. If you would like to contact the New England Society of Geeks podcast, you can do so by emailing us at n-e-s-o-g-pod at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at n-e-s-o-g podcast and you can find us on instagram at n-e-s-o-g pod in addition you can find us on facebook at our new england society of geeks page and while you're at it we would really appreciate it if you could give us some ratings or reviews on wherever you listen to us. It would help other people find us and enjoy us as much as you hopefully do. We thank you all for listening. 